Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm here with my good pal, Nancy Baldock. And um, Nancy's been coming to clinics, I don't know how many years now? Since 2016. 2016. We're going to talk about the first clinic you came to. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. We're going to get to it. But uh, Nancy's a good friend. <clears throat> We're staying here for a couple of days in between clinics. We just got done in Canyon City and and we're headed to Nebraska next, and uh, we had a good ride today, didn't we? We had a very nice ride today. Went to the Garden of the Gods, and that was yeah. neat. Took the girls, had a good time. Your little uh, miniature Santa Fe yep. swell there. <laughs> and so anyway, that's pretty cool. But Nancy, um, I want to start by letting you talk about yourself. Uh, tell me where you grew up. Um, I want to know how you got into horses, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Sounds good. Go ahead. I grew up out in California. My dad was a Navy pilot and then a commercial pilot. And so we moved from California to Hawaii to Ooh. Minnesota. That was a culture shock. Geez, Hawaii to Minnesota? Yep. Jeez. And at that point, they moved to Utah. Mm-hmm. And I started college at 17, finished when I was 20, and tried a few different jobs out to see what I wanted to do and ended up joining the Air Force. So I was a space and missile officer in the Air Force, stationed a bunch of different places. And I've been riding since I could basically walk. No one in my family were really riders, but that's all I ever, horse, first word probably. Yeah. So anytime I could get on one, I did. And always liked learning, always liked doing new things. And after my daughter was born, I got into walking horses. I just didn't want to jump anymore. It didn't seem to work for me. And well, I got crazier, but I took a brief sanity <laughs> break and kept it on the ground. Yeah. So showed walking horses all over the country with my daughter and then moved back out to Colorado and started riding the trails. And we always been fascinated by a mule. Mm-hmm. So I got my first mule who was a long yearling. I do not recommend doing this for your first mule. <laughs> I learned a lot. Humble quickly. Do you still have? Uh, that's Roach. That's Roach. That's Roach. Roach is the, big Roach okay. was my very first mule. Yeah. I thought, I think Rietta's big until I hang out with you and Roach. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. She's supersized. That is a big mule. That's a big and We're mule. not joking. How tall is Roach? She's only 16 too, but she has no yep. weather. Yep. And she has an oversized head and she oversized everything. Huge. She's huge. And a legitimate 16 too. A lot of people say, you know, their mule's 16, whatever. And you're like, no, that's 15 hands. And this thing. Everyone big. thinks she's 17 plus. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. she just, she's huge. Yep. So she was my humbling experience where I realized I needed lots more help. Dang. Um, but I really got hooked on both the challenge. And then once I started riding her, realizing where they could go and how different they were. To go from riding show walking horses on a trail to riding a mule mm-hmm. on the trail is night and day. Night and day. So that's the very brief rundown yeah. of my history. So, so so let's back up a little bit. Well, growing up, did your folks have horses or oh no. You're just going to riding stables. I went to barns. riding stables. When I what? was in when I was eight years old, they let me start taking riding lessons. Okay. Yeah. A little local woman who gave them Road Western, moved to Hawaii, and it was all English. And I'm like, oh, English is for sissies. Until I discovered jumping. Yeah. But honestly, on the islands, you don't always get the best horses. I literally thought anytime you asked a horse to canter, 
it looked and that was That's normal. normal huh? So I learned at an early age to stick. Yeah. And you are sticky. We're going to talk about your stick it to it in this later. Yep. So that's awesome. And uh, so let's, there's a few things I want to talk about here. Um, I want to talk about, so, so, you know, a heck of a lot more than I do about this whole gated world. That's my passion. Uh, That you, Nancy is the expert and, um, I've come to her with questions before, and uh, she can set me straight on a lot of things. And and I, w- I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Um, but let's let's start where when you when did you get into the Tennessee Walkers and the gated culture? Literally when my daughter was born, so twenty two years okay. ago. What but, what drew what drew you to them? Like These I said, are horses. After the my daughter was born, I no longer really was interested in doing the jumpers, right. which is what I did, hunter jumper, before that for quite a while. And I had always kind of thought, it would be interesting to ride a gated horse. So mm-hmm. I went to a local woman who had all different kinds of gated animals. And I said, I want to take lessons and I want to see which one I like. Did I want to ride a foxtrotter, a Peruvian? Did I want to ride a walker, a saddlebred, five-gated? What did I want? She put me on a walker and I was hook, line, and sinker. And I said, stop, let's start looking for one. Yeah, And I just got so into it. I studied with her and she was a fabulous rider here, a woman named Debbie Garfield. Um, very honest. They are never soaring, never chains, never gimmicks. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. All my horses, I wanted to be happy, not hurting. So started with her. And then I ended up working with a woman named Lee Ziegler, who is the expert in the country. Absolutely. And I would go pester her and sit and watch videos and, and pull apart the gate. And how do you do it? And then I started showing and I would sit and watch. And what does this trainer do? And how do you do that? And truly understanding the mechanics of gate was what I was very interested in and, and perfecting it. But again, never soaring, never anything like that. Good. So the first time you rode that gated horse... Uh, you said you just loved it. Oh, I thought I'd made a deal with was the devil. It, just... <laughs> it was so smooth. I was grinning so, ear to ear. Just the smoothness. The smoothness. Is what you just was impressed by. And the, the happy energy behind it on that animal. And I just couldn't believe you could move like that. And because uh-huh. I had a back injury when I was younger, I, I, my back is a budget back. My body's a budget body. Budget body. Oh, I have rheumatoid <laughs> arthritis, osteoarthritis, bad neck, nerve damage. Yeah. I'm a mess. Uh-huh. People don't think that when they see me because yeah. of what I do. Tough as nails, yeah. I just, what would I do if I didn't do it? So yeah. I hurt and I do it. Yeah. Um, but, and then I learned when I went to look for a walking horse, how many of them gate poorly. Mm-hmm. And that's something we can talk about now or later, whatever you like. Jump into it. Let's Jump do it. Because um, there's, because we're going to talk about it here, about this this gated phenomena, right? Because mm-hmm. people, um, well, just like you said, with bad backs, mm-hmm. hips, whatever, necks, they think, oh, that's really smooth. I think I want to buy a, a gated horse or a gated mule. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, okay, well, how would you like them to walk? What what type of gait, right? Correct. So let's, let's take this where you're going right here, and let's fade into that too. Okay. There are so many variations on gait. You've got the walking horse gait where you do a flat walk and a running walk. And by nature, depending on how gated or how it's built, the animal can either have what we call a camel walk, 
when you're just doing a normal trail walk. And a lot of people actually find that uncomfortable because it's very back and forth, loosey goosey. To me, if I feel an animal trip out behind, I start to grin because I go, oh, I can build something with that. If I package it up, that's a great sign. But it's a lousy sign if all you're doing is trail riding and don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that loose back end has a place. It's not necessarily on the trail unless you can package it up and train it. You've got a racking gate and there are variations on a racking gate. You can do a very smooth trail rack. Legs was... um, a mule I had was a trail racker and it was the smoothest gate I've ever ridden. It was a four beat gate, but he was so smooth and it was amazing. You weren't even moved. You did not move. And he would just hold it because any animal I train, I train that I don't have to keep them packaged if I want to trail ride them. Mm-hmm. Or if even if in the showing you do, and I'm going to learn to do the Western version of the Bozelle, all that very high level. When I had my walking horses trained, and this wasn't super common, it was part of why I won a lot, was because I had self-carriage. My animals were diving deep on their own, but they were lifting on their own. I could do everything. I could think it. I could breathe it. I, I could get on deuce, be flying around the arena and go, huh, and we'd stop. They were that broke. But again, I digress. The So the, the rack can be a trail rack, which is just a smooth as butter, very calm, quiet gait. Or you can go into more of what we would call like a shaky tail rack, where the animal kind of bounces you up and down very gently, quickly in place, depending on the speed you're going. Personally, that irritates my back. Uh-huh. It's still smoother than a trot, but that constant brrrr, uh-huh. to me was very irritating. Again, some people love it. You've got all your Peruvian gates, and you'll see a lot of animals go anywhere on the spectrum from a trot, which is extremely diagonal, two legs each side going, to the pace, which is extremely lateral, two legs on the same side going, forward and back in their middle gear. And there's every variation in between. Most of your Rockies and animals like that are going to do what we call a stepping pace, where... They aren't quite lateral, they aren't quite diagonal. It's still very smooth and it's a wonderful gait, don't get me wrong. But the walking horse is the only animal that really does the true overstride, where if you look down after you've gone somewhere, you'll see the hoof print of your back foot is overstrided, the hoof print from the front hoof. Most animals are gonna cap their track when they walk. Whereas a walking horse, because all their gates are a walk, that's a, there's a flat walk and a running walk. And then there's, again, their trail walk, their normal walk. But they're going to overstride. Now, an average animal is going to overstride. Your average trail-gated walking gait is going to overstride anywhere from six inches to a foot at most. Now, a show animal, and again, I'm talking a natural animal. I'm not talking a padded-up animal or a sword animal, mm-hmm. can go two to three feet. The reason I won so much on that little fat well, he's 23 now, horse that you've seen down there too, is Second Amendment, he overstrided almost five feet naturally. Jeez. Exactly. So he was a powerhouse. And he would just put that rear end down on the ground and boom, boom, boom. How do you beat that when it's all natural and you've got it timed up and you've you've got an animal willing to work for you and that loves the limelight? It's hard to beat. (laughs) That's incredible. 
talk a little bit about um, your showing days of because c- you you did it right. You did it right. You didn't you didn't get into all these gimmicks and all the crap and all the junk that people do. Mm-hmm. No, talk never. talk about your showing days and your experiences there. And if there's any, you shared a story with me last night um, about uh, well a moment where you said you could take this horse and all natural and you go enter some of these shows and whoop them. <laughs> oh, right. When, again, because I was so into it, and this is a correlation. You're going to see this is the same thing I did with rock hopping and with what you, I do with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the walking horse version of Nancy before Nancy became into the rock hopping version of Nancy. And then, <laughs> oh, beyond that, wow, look at all this other cool stuff Ty yep. can teach me. Yep. So it's the same basic idea. I dove in, fell in love, and I needed, I had a very high stress job. I did not have a mm-hmm. good marriage. I was burning the candle at 14 ends. I needed a release. I needed something to focus on because I'm somewhat hyperactive, in case you hadn't noticed. So, somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a release. I needed something that I could focus on, but that I enjoyed, That and the rhythm of it was phenomenal for me. Mm-hmm. To go out and perfect that rhythm it was just the perfect antidote for everything else in my life. I had nuclear weapons at my fingertips. I had generals all. I, I needed a break. <laughs> and the walking horses gave it to me. And it gave me a goal. And, and the showing gave me a reason to really perfect it. And, and then just like with the mule clinics, you go meet friends. And you go to these shows and you'd see your friends. So it was just a, the perfect thing for me at the time. And so I started to really get into it, really focus on it. And I mean, I came out there, everything I did was amateur owned and trained. I never had a trainer on my animals. I bought my animals young, trained them myself and just kept learning everything, always watching, always learning. It's like people watching the extra classes at your clinic. I'd be out there watching trainers, schooling other animals, and I'd watch them in the show ring. And okay, what are, what are they looking for? And what's right? And how do I get it? And I'd ask a million questions. And I was always happy to help anyone else. So it was, people were happy to help me. Oh, yeah. And, but I was out there amateur owned and trained and we were top in the nation on, on, on a lot of animals, top in the nation, top three, top one, um, on points and on winning and national champions by just sheer wanting to do it and loving it and just having a ball. That's the key right and there, have fun. Yeah, I go in against sword animals, which is cheating and nasty and horrible. And when you can take a natural animal in front of a judge who prefers the look of a sword horse and beat them. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you how we do it. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's Heck awesome. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, cheating is never fun. It's not, you it's know, and, and especially when you're doing it right, you know, cheating is just, uh, yeah, but it happens out there. Yes, it you know, does. It happens and, and more restrictions come and more of this and more of that. And then, you know, you try to get around it, but you know, when you do it right, and you win. Yep. That that is so cool. Oh, I came out of there sometimes. Honestly, even when I didn't win, if my horse gave me mm. everything it had and we were together as a unit, I was grinning ear to ear. Yeah. Because that's what it's all about. Yeah, the winning's fun and great, don't get me wrong. But there were rides I won that I didn't think were my best. Mm-hmm. There were rides where I didn't win that I came out elated. Because that the whole thing is the partnership. Yeah. Well, and if you do your best, 
Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter. There it is. When I was rodeo, it was the same way. Mm-hmm. If I went in there and I did my best and I rode good, mm-hmm. even though I didn't win a check or whatever, right. but I felt that was good, mm-hmm. I could leave there with, with my head up. You know. Yep. And- but sometimes you rode and... I remember there's a few times that, that I did win mm-hmm. and, you know, that, or maybe I at least placed and, and I saw some of my buddies and I thought, I thought, man, I thought you made a better ride than me. Oh yeah. But I got the check and yeah. Yeah. As long as I did my best, it felt good no matter what. I never you know? minded being beat by someone better than me. That's right. It's frustrating. And this is in a lot of things in life where because of judging, judges are human or they have a certain style they like or people they like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I was beat when I shouldn't have and that would frustrate me. But yep. sometimes I won when I probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You just have to look at it as a balance and go out and enjoy what you love about it and, and let it roll. Heck yeah. Let's, uh, let's shift back to this. Uh, so you've heard me talk about it many times and um, and I've had, I've told people to come talk to you about mm-hmm, this right. many times when they say, Hey, I want to buy a gated mule. Correct. And then a lot of times they say, well, well, like we already talked about, well, what kind of gate do you want? How do you want them to walk? What, what are you, what are you looking for? And they're like, right. Oh, gated. I didn't know. And you, well, what breed? Oh, is gated not a breed? Like, like they thought gated Correct. was the breed, right? Correct. You know? And uh, so, okay. Somebody comes to you and says, Nancy, my back is terrible. I want something smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard great things about these walking mules. Mm-hmm. What are you telling that person that wants to buy this, this walking mule? We've talked about right. the gates a little bit. We've, and you and I have discussed um, the energy. And that's Correct. something a lot of them kind of, I think a lot of people discount. So Correct. Tell me. Okay. The first thing is, how do you ride? Because if mainly what you're going to do is do very relaxed riding down the trail, occasionally go a little faster, but you want an animal that covers ground. A lot of mules that are, you know, gated out of gated stock are going to do a nice ground covering, smooth gear. What what happens so often though, is because of either, and this can happen in a gated animal of any sort, it doesn't have to be a mule. The breeding tends them toward a rough, gate or basically a trot because almost every gated horse will trot at liberty almost they'll get they'll trot at liberty but most of them that have been taught or have a lot of natural ability will only gate under saddle now personally i don't want to take a strongly gated animal that i want to gate i'd never want to trot them personally and i won't even lope one until the gate is set because I don't want them to go, oh, you're asking me for more. I'll just lope or canter. I, I don't want that. And that's, again, a, when you're really looking for serious, you care gait. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're looking for a comfortable animal, go down the trail. And again, if the main thing it's going to do, it, it's just relaxing riding. You like the general idea of it. There's a lot of that kind of animal out there. Junior. Junior has a nice little trail gait. But I want him, partially because I want to build what I want to build with him and who he is, I want him to walk, trot, look. So on the trail, have fun. We scoot along. Life is great. In the arena, that's not what I ask for. That's not what I get. Okay? So you can do that. But if I was truly trying to get Gate out of Junior a different thing, I would not be trotting him in the arena. Mm -hmm. Okay. You... 
a lot of animals have a gait that's mechanically induced. And I see a lot of them on the internet, gated animal, gated mule for sale with either big shoes on the front or the back. And a lot of those animals have had some help in the way of heavy logging chains or something. Mm -hmm. And they're very packaged. So you see the, the rider really with a snug rein. Now, if you want to ride for three hours with a snug rein, knock yourself out. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. So you, you can look at that, look at the shoes on the animal, look at how that rein is and how the rider is. Is the rider relaxed and getting the gait or is the rider having to work for it? One good clue to how gated this animal is. And again, what you want out of it. Now, I have some other animals, Roach being one of them, Oscar being another one, um, different backgrounds on them that are going to go out because they've been trained, because I enhanced what was naturally there and wrote it correctly, Roach will gate flat walk and running walk, true flat walk and running walk on a loose rein. Occasional correction if we get distracted or kind of we stumble, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. On uneven terrain, they're going to knock out a gate sometimes if you're doing a flat walk and running walk. And that to me is the ultimate goal in a mule personally, because I can take that mule on a relaxing ride and it will do a normal, maybe a little faster walk just because of the, the way it's built than a, a slow, slow, very slow Western pleasure style mule. But I can also, when I give a little squeeze, all I have to do is squeeze and I'm doing the correct gait with me enjoying the ride. That takes building. It takes time. People rush it. They start doing it. They get frustrated. The animal trots. Well, they take the trot. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time I see people say they have a gated animal and they're frustrated because it doesn't gate or it does this. And, and they truly don't even know what they're what they have. At the last clinic, there was a woman who was upset that her animal wasn't gating. I'm like, but you are gating. Well, no, I'm not. No, really, you are. I think I know you're gating. <laughs> and if, you know, you don't want to believe me, fine. And if you're willing to take time and, and ride in that gear and set it, we mm -hmm. call it set the gate, yeah. you're building muscle memory. If you're willing to put in the miles and build that muscle memory, that's what's going to come out instead of a trot. If you get impatient, you're going to ride it out of its gear. And I see people doing it all the time on horses and on mules. They ride the animal faster then they have allowed the animal to build up muscle memory, build oh, up yeah. the gait, or it simply isn't that gated. And so they're roaring along either at a pace or and a pace is way more uncomfortable than a trot or a barely broken stepping pace. And they are bouncing all over and flying and they think they're just the bomb. And I'm going, I don't want to ride with you because you can't most animals without a lot of work, properly gate that quickly. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not who I want to ride with because you're going to ruin the gate on my animal. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it any more than if you want to go out on a certain ride and people are flying around and you're trying to work on something. It's no fun. Yeah. And, and people blow the gate. So those are some basics. So you mean all these people that tell me they have to have those their big shanks and have to have to hold hold that that mule's head in again that's a manufactured <laughs> gate and it's usually a bad one because what happens is yep. when you're doing that your horse's or mule's head is up either or uh, yep. and their back is inverted 
which means they are not using their hind end and the hind end is the hallmark of most of these mm -hmm. gates. You've seen me, you've seen me at so many clinics talk about bits. You Correct. Know. Oh man. It's a, it's one of my least favorite chats. Correct. But, but that is, especially when I go East, mm -hmm. uh, Oh, this is a gated mule it has to have this gated mule bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, I say, I'd love to introduce you to my friend, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. I started roaching a snaffle and what I did with her was every time I would get her going forward, I would little by little try to get more of the feel mm -hmm. that I was looking for. And if she'd break into a trot, my little snaffle would kind of go ding, 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 ding in her mouth. So it was uncomfortable mm -hmm. so that when she would slow down and go back to the gate, I wanted, Oh, it was comfortable. I wasn't yanking on her. Did I, I mean, eventually she's a, very, very well, Brooke Millie wouldn't have known it today. She was very happy, very bouncy. <laughs> she was just happy, but oh, yeah. it's like riding a water buffalo. Um, there you go. She, but yes, yeah, she has graduated to a shank bit, but she was trained in a snaffle. Oscar, who I'm retraining, Oscar was ridden in a tie down, a, a, a close tie down. And he was trotted because the owner that had him before didn't want him to gate. Mm. And so he would trot him. So I'm retraining an animal that trotted was told to trot, not gate, that had a martingale, a standing martingale. And what he is finally learning to do is to put his head down. And when he is, as I slowly, slowly, slowly built up, yes, that's what I want. That's the feeling. He gets the release. He is now traveling 90% of the time with his head down without me on any sort of contact so that when he gates, he gets all the rewards. When he doesn't gate, I'm annoying. And I'm just annoying. I'm not beating on him. I'm not, I'm just ding, ding, ding. Nope, that's not what I want. Ding, 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 ding. Not what I want. Oh, that's what I want. I'll leave you alone. His reward is being left alone. Same as anything. That's right. Yeah. They learn when you quit. But he is in a snaffle. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Nancy, we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to thank our sponsors at Lacey Boots here. Okay. Okay, we need to thank our friends at Lacey Boots. Our good pal Nancy Baldock got Sky hooked on Lacey Boots. These boots are some of the most comfortable on the market. They are C-width, which gives feet and toes more room. And the taller boots come in three calf sizes, so they can fit just about anyone. These highly technical boots are extremely comfortable, fashionable, and add extreme impact protection. Lacey Boots also has a line of Western shirts called the Cool Cowgirl. With cooling technology... These shirts are soft and stretchy, fully perforated for airflow to help keep you cool. Find Lacey Boots on Facebook or visit LaceyBoots.com. Okay, Nancy, we were just talking about this whole gated mule thing and, and working them and bits we're using and, and things like that. And uh, I want to shift gears a little bit okay. to these these breeds of gated animals now mm. we're dealing with the mule so we've got a hybrid and you know most of the gated knowledge comes from the horse world i mean people will talk about their donkeys gating maybe you can make it give me a comment on that but sure. but uh but really we're considering the mare mm. uh, above all probably and 
and let's talk about these different breeds uh, and what people are going to get out of them mm-hmm. because it's not just a gated animal. It doesn't mean a whole lot. It's like, okay, well, you, you get Tennessee walkers. we got fox drivers. we got passos. So let's start with the – give me a comment on the gated donkeys and what you really think of that, and then we're going to go to the horses. Okay. Majority of my daughter's donkey, we call him gated because he has a strong donkey shuffle. Right. A lot of donkeys, even ones that trot hard, will do, if in the correct, you know, the universe lines up, a donkey shuffle. Small four-beat gate. It's basically a, a trail rack of sorts. And it can, on some of them, the more strongly gated, like my daughter's donkey, move into more of just a really small flat block. Not a lot of overstride, but but they're chugging along and they're not trotting. Again, a very small flat lock. Yeah, the donkey shuffle. Some of your Brazilian type donkeys, they have bred differently, but I don't know enough about them. I've never had the opportunity to enjoy Mm -hmm. one, which I'd love to see one, but I haven't had that opportunity. But the donkey shuffle, that's what we call it. It's a donkey shuffle. It's a donkey shuffle and the majority of donkeys walk in in some fashion of this. Most do, yes. Now... The horses, that's a whole nother world. Very much so. So uh, let's let's talk about the the different breeds. Okay, because if you're gonna buy a if you're gonna buy a Tennessee Walker meal, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a lot different than that Pasofino meal or that correct. Morgan. Correct. So let's give me your take on these different okay. gated breeds. Well, first off, half the time you're lucky if you really do know who the parentage is. So all you can do is guess. Mm-hmm. And how I try to guess if I don't know the parentage is well, what gate is it doing? There's a good start, right? Yeah. Again, but you have to be able to identify the gates to do that. Yeah, that's where you're the expert. That's I, where I, a hey, lot of people get lost. Yeah. Hey, Nancy, what is that doing there? Is yeah, that, is that, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Yep. So you're walking horses again. It's the four-beat gate with overstride. That's the hallmark. So that is if you watch the animal going and it's doing that gate, if you see the four legs moving independently, you see overstride on the ground, or if you can catch it with your eye, to me, it's easy to go, here's a, here's a flat sand arena. I'm just going to look and see kind of where I'm doing. Cause I used to train by myself a lot. I kind of had to, what's my overstride? How am I doing? But it's really easy to get that mixed up with a stepping pace where it's not as broken and a lot of walker stepping pace. And again, it can be a very comfortable gate if it's not ridden past the point of comfort. Okay. But the walkers generally tend to be people pleasers. They do have energy because they were bred to cover ground on a plantation. Mm -hmm. But a good walking horse has a positive energy. It wants to go out and cover some country, but it's not what I'd call a fruit loop. Generally. What you will also see a lot of now are the spotted saddle crosses. They tend to have even more energy to the point of anxiety. The spotted saddle horses often have more energy. They were bred differently from the walkers to get the color. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to see a little bit more of the woo out of them. That it's my observation from both walking horses, spotted saddle horses, spotted saddle mules, because that's what I would call it. And then you can go and say a rocky type bred mule, who again, the hallmark is more of a stepping pace. And oftentimes they make a very nice riding animal. The Rockies tend to have a very nice personality. They're a little less energy than some of the others. And the translation of the gate with the Rocky and the donkey often makes a nice cross. I don't own one, 
but I've seen them and I and I've liked what I've seen on a good one. Now your Spanish breads, your your, your Peruvians, your pasos, pasfinos, they're going to have a lot more of the brio, the, the energy, and it's one of those things. It's either the most wonderful thing or the most horrible thing, <laughs> and I'm not kidding because it either works for you or against you. Yeah. So a good one is like the animal that you could bring into your camper at night. It loves you. It will do anything for you. Mm -hmm. A bad one would just assume bite your head off. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's what I've seen with a lot of them. Yeah. So you either get wonderful or what have I done? Mm -hmm. And obviously that can happen with any animal. I just see it more strongly because it is the hot blooded, a very hot blooded animal. Mm -hmm. And if you can harness it and it likes you, go for it. There you go. Awesome. And it, and they have... The, the, the Pasofinos are more of, a, I call it going nowhere fast. It's more of a lot of motion without a lot of forward. Whereas your Peruvians are more that the, the hoof swings out to the side. They're covering ground very smoothly. Very nice animal. Um, if you look at a fox trotter, they were really more built as they're kind of a neat mix between a stock animal and a gated animal. They tend to be a little bigger rear end. They've got a little more bulk to them. They were more for, for working cattle comfortably versus working a plantation and going long miles with just covering ground. And so the hallmark of that is you're going to have a little bit of bounce in the rear end as that's kind of a semi, and it's a very simplified version. So the, the, the rear end's kind of doing a trot, the front end's kind of doing a walk. Again, oversimplified, but there it is. It can be an extremely comfortable gait. It can be a very natural gait because they weren't overbred to the point that a walking horse was because with a walking horse, they bred a lot of them to pace because then when they could add the big stacks and chains where the big money was, that then squared them up to get the gate they wanted. So you had a lot of animals that if they weren't mechanically altered, they were not fun to ride. And there's a lot of them out there. You're seeing better breeding now, more natural breeding coming out where you can get a better gate going back to its roots. But there's a lot of the pace mixed in there and it's no fun. Um, so, so anyway, the... And a lot of the fox trotters honestly have a lot of walking horse blood in them because they wanted more of that flat walk. Mm. So a lot of them will do a flat walk and then their second gear is the fox trot, which again, both very nice gates, nice animals. And you can also have a spotted fox trotter. You can have like anything else, a, a good mix. And you've got, yeah, I really have never seen one um, like the, uh, oh, good grief, the little ones. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't think of the name right now. I know this. Icelandic. That's the Icelandic, word. Okay. Thank you. There's one. We I, had, got, I we lost had little it. Little Icelandic horse. Little Icelandics. I have never seen an Icelandic mule. I saw one. Did you? I okay. My buddy Robert Eversall. Okay. Yes, I know the name. He's the trailmaster trail guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he brought a Icelandic mule to the clinic in Creston, Washington. And and you know it didn't have the his wife also rides an Icelandic horse. Okay. And, I mean, it didn't have it didn't have the, the walk that that had, okay. but it it could, you know. I was trying to get him to lope. I was trying okay. to get Robert to lope, and he was hustling around that arena because uh -huh. that thing just wanted to walk uh -huh. fast, fast. Like yep. Robert, that thing can walk faster. They can lope. They can and, toll, you know, toll, toll oh, do yeah. all the different gates. Yes. Oh yeah. So, anyways, that's the one. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I've never seen one so, that I've known of. Mm -hmm. So those are your more your your basic breeds. Your Morgans, honestly, you don't really see a lot of gate in a lot of them saddlebreds not all saddlebreds are gated some saddlebreds are what we call three gated they walk trot lope that's a three gated saddlebred 
Others are five-gated. They have a slow rack and a fast rack. So not probably going to see, because it's harder to get even in the saddle bread, it's going to be even harder to get when you cross it with a donkey. Yeah. I've seen a lot of saddle bread. Um, and a lot of that's mechanically helped mm-hmm. to, to, to help them really do those gears. Again, saddle breads are one of those animals that can be absolutely wonderful or, oh my word, what have I done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds. There's all there's kinds. All kinds. And then when you cross the donkey and you get the hybrid, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yep. So, but uh, Nancy is good. You know, she she can tell me what is what is that? What do you think that meal's out of? And she can just snap right to it. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Nancy. That's good stuff. I could just sit and talk about that forever because that's a, a lot of that's new to me. You know, I, I mean, you know me. I see meals of all kinds mm-hmm. every week, and uh, you know, my specialty is the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily working on, you know, certain you know, gating or transitions. Exactly. It's more the behavior behind all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's my specialty, but so I see all kinds. Mm -hmm. I see them all. And you've been to a lot of clinics and you've seen a lot too. But let's shift gears a little bit. So let's, let's get into the, the, just the meal stuff here. So you said you kind of was starting to fade out of the show world. Correct. And more trail riding. Yep. And, how did the mules come into play there? You said you got <laughs> okay. interested in mules. What happened? When I was in Omaha, Nebraska at Stratcom, uh, I was what was called strike advisor. So I had basically the nuclear war plan at my fingertips for myself and others and was the advisor, the commander, and the president. Wow. You do a lot of night shifts. I did a lot of 12-hour mid-shifts from 6 p.m. <laughs> to 6 a.m., and you can only watch the born identity so many times. Yeah. <laughs> and so I spent some time on the internet, which is all allowed. This is very allowed. You're, uh-huh. you're there in the middle of the night yeah. with nothing going on, which is a good thing. Cause that means if I'm not doing my job, the world's at peace. The world's fine. Yeah. The world's in a whole lot better place. Um, so I, I got looking more, one of those, I go down what I call rabbit holes. Cause again, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hyper and I got looking at mules and donkeys and I really just got fascinated with it. I thought, boy, that would be really fun. But it, I was in Omaha and very busy with other things, raising a daughter and doing all this work I was doing and um, really enjoying the walking horses still. And I was in a good area there to go to shows. I could be in Tennessee in 12 hours and I could go. We had a good Iowa and Minnesota show group that were really friendly, fun people. So I just kind of kept looking and it was fun and I amused myself and fell in love with a Palomino mule named Dolly, you know, on the internet. And then I found donkeys. Well, those are really neat. Mm -hmm. But I really couldn't do a whole lot about it right then. And after I got out to Colorado and the show scene here had pretty much died out, people kind of infighting and, and people not interested anymore, like a lot of the show groups. And it was two days to get to Tennessee and I... And it's really hard to take an animal when you don't have a lot of in-between shows to go all of a sudden go to the nationals. I did it and I won a lot, but it ain't easy. So I I, I started to get into trail riding and and I had neighbors and um, I had a couple walking horses that were really bad at trail riding because they were really good in the show ring, the overstride. Again, what's great in the flat arena is not so much fun on rock and on 
it doesn't translate that great. But we muddled around, had fun. I, and I joke, and, and you're going to laugh, my idea of a trail ride when I was showing and living in these other places was 45-minute ride was, holy wow, bring snacks. Mm -hmm. I, that was a trail ride to me. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I got with some friends that got me out and, and showed me more places. And I had a, a walking horse who wasn't that great in the showing, but was really pretty good on the trails. So I was riding her and, and then I um, was when I was going through divorce, I, I needed again, something to take my mind off all this horrible stuff. And I went, I really want a mule. So I got talking to an old friend I used to show with, and he was a fabulous man. And he kind of pointed me in the right direction and helped me find Roach. And so I picked up Roach, a long yearling, mm -hmm. on my way back from Tennessee she, one year. Was she huge then? Too? She was a big girl. She was all <laughs> hips and elbows. I'll, I'll be polite and say hips and elbows. Um, yes, she was a big girl then. He'd had literally a handful of rides on her, just enough to ride her, mm -hmm. which is actually how I prefer to buy an animal or used to. Just a few rides, just so I can see, yeah, they're generally accepting. Okay, cool. I can take that more with it. And I got her home and I got humbled because I learned about bolting and I learned that mules break things. Yeah, that's one of my rules of mules. Mules break things. And I threw up my hands in despair mm -hmm. and said I needed help. And I actually went to a Steve Edwards clinic, which was an interesting experience in and of itself, but it gave me enough help that I could take what I knew and go forward. I had him chasing me in a round pen, yelling monsters at me. Hang on for the ride. Trust me. 16, no, well, she was 61 about at the time, flying around a round pen with someone chasing you. Not my recommended method for learning how to ride a bolt, but that's what we did. And it worked in the long run because I didn't have a choice. Didn't know any better. And again, started riding her more out on the trails and opened my eyes to just how amazing the mules were. I mean, the best way I describe it, when people ask me, well, what's the difference between a mule and a horse on the trail? I said, I was going over a bridge once and there was a rotten spot and a roach put her foot through it all the way down. She stepped in it. She calmly shifted her weight to her back legs, pulled her foot out very carefully and carried on. That to me is why I ride mules. <laughs> <laughs> My horses would not have done that. Yeah, could have went, went a lot different. Could yeah. have gone south very quickly. So anyway, that was kind of, and then I just got more and more into the mules and I started to go, I saw a few videos of you rock hopping and I thought, well, this is a new twist. Mm -hmm. So for my 50th birthday, my present to myself was a rock hopping clinic. My first one. And I didn't know it at the time. Your first one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we can jump right into that. No pun intended. Uh -huh. But, uh, yeah, 2016. Yep. It was actually technically my second one. Okay. But you and Sky don't let me count the first one. Nope. The first clinic I put on for the – this is our extreme trail riding clinic, a.k.a. rock hopping. And I put – me and Sam put one on in 2015. Well, nobody showed up. Nobody signed up. So it just me and Sam rode with good food. You know, uh -huh. that, that was it. And, um, and then the next year I was like, well, we'll try again. You know, my clinics elsewhere were doing great, but, you know, this whole rock crawling thing, they didn't know about that. And so 2016, 
shows up Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> 50 years old so, without a clue. So you found us on YouTube. I did, basically. And routed, figured it out. And here you are, Rock Prong Clinic. So tell me about, let's let's start with that experience and then we'll go on. So you, you signed up. You don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. You don't know what I teach or what I do nope. other than your the, the YouTube clips here yep. and there, right? Which That's is all I'd seen. And back then, you know, now there's hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Back then, there's just a handful. Correct. So you show up to Utah. I drove out there having no idea what I was getting myself into. Driving through a snowstorm. I bought a little two-horse living quarters because I didn't know what exactly you kept saying. We're going into rough country. I'm like, well, I can't bring my four-horse, a big show, wampin' parking lot queen. So I found this little two-horse. Off I went and tried to find, well, we got to your place the first night, which was an adventure because... I drove right by it and I was mm-hmm. frazzled at that point after, you know, the storm in eight hours and going over I-70 with it. So we got there and then the next morning we all headed out through another mild snow flurries. But at this point I was so jumpy. I was like, yep. ah, slow mm-hmm. down, slow down. Yep. I'm scared and we haven't even gotten on the mules yet. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not having a clue what I was getting myself into, which is what I see a lot with participants. Mm-hmm new participants at the clinic. Nobody sleeps the night before. Well, it, it amazes me, Nancy, how many people don't do their due diligence. Mm-hmm. Like I said, well, you, you just show up to this clinic and you don't have any idea who I am. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, luckily I am who I am and this is going to go good for you. Right. But I mean, well, you've you, taken you, steps you, to prevent a little of that now. Yeah. And, but it's a, it's amazing what people will show up to now with the rock crawling, we have all sorts of stipulations and you got to do this and this and this to you got to get qualified because there are stories behind there that. are stories <laughs> you have been part of a lot of them stories you've seen you've seen them unfold i so. see most of them yes but, so yeah. yeah we got it and i was riding roach because mm-hmm. that that was my my big girl and that was a big girl if you want to load her out of the trailer holy cow what you got there Jeez. yep so you started us out and it was a mixed bag of kids, and I'm looking at this going, there's young kids here. I, I can't not do things if yeah. they're going to do it. How yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. So that was actually a good thing, I guess. Got more people to do more stuff. I don't know. Anyway, it was funny. And But you introduced us to how to ride it. This is what you look for. These are the rocks you go on. And stuff I never would have thought of, even though I kind of mumbly pegged my way down the trail and off things occasionally. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I was doing and, and what not to do. And you teaching the body position and and all of that. And, and we kept doing a little more and a little more. And you built on it. And we got more confident. And you had a few riders with you who were more confident who'd done it. I mean, Sam had obviously done it. And I'm looking at him with big eyes. I'm watching Sky with big eyes. Obviously you, because, well, you're you. That's who's doing this. And a few of the other guys on the ride, I'm just like, Wow. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. And these guys are a lot braver than I am. And the, the, the highlight of that ride was watching Sky come off of the point. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, how big, how big is that drop? It's uh, it's probably over six foot. And it's got but an it, undercut. It, 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 yeah, it's undercut and you jump out. You jump, so what you do. <laughs> it's incredible. There's a picture over there. Yeah, but I hadn't. Very, it was, I think, what, you and Sky did it? Maybe, did, I didn't even know if you did it that trip. I don't remember. Uh, Sky, I had done it before. Uh-huh. Um, 
Well, me, yeah, me and Larry, of course, right. first to do it. I mean, I know you've done it. Yeah. I just, I don't and remember if you did Sky, it that trip. That trip, Sky just did it. And Sky went yep. flying off that, and all I could think big. of goals. Mm-hmm. She's my hero. Yep. I want to do that someday, mm-hmm. but I'm not ready now. And I knew it, and you didn't let us do things that yep. were that far out of our wheelhouse. No. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, you're dead. Don't mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. But that was a goal was watching her do that. That was just a driver for me to go. Oh, yeah. I want to be that good at this. This is fun and I want to get that good. Heck yeah. yeah. You did do one big jump with Roach. Not entirely on purpose. Nope, not not entirely. <laughs> that well, was... you you don't do this anymore, but you told us to find our way off the side mistake. of the mountain. That was the worst mistake. <laughs> well, cuz that was that was how I learned all these places. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. all these places that we take it—that's how we learned. Mm-hmm. That's you know, me and Larry, Sky's dad, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe yeah. G, and yeah. you know, um, we would go explore. That was that was part mm-hmm. of it. That was that's kind of the heart of that clinic is mm-hmm. to hey, get off the trail, right? Get off the trail, go do something, go find something. And um, I remember turning you guys loose. And I knew right off the bat, mistake. Like this, this is already not going well. <laughs> but, but your jump wasn't that big a deal. It was a couple of the other fellows what they were doing. That was like, oh no, this it, is it felt like a big deal. Yeah, but <laughs> but tell tell us about that massive jump. So we were looking for ways down the mountain, and mm-hmm. there was some scrub oak. And I kind of went, well, I wonder what's over here. And Roach, you call talk about a yes mule all the time. Oh yeah. And Roach already liked me and was willing, but she really became, oh, I can do it. So I have some knowledge and a skill base to do this. So if you ask me, I trust you that we can do this because we never got her anywhere near hurt or upset on this clinic. I was terrified, but she was great. She was fine. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there going, don't let it show. Don't (laughs) let it show. Oh, yeah. So I turned her into a yes mule. So we walked up to this area with some scrub. Roach reaches down. Oh, look, a snack. She puts her head up, pokes it through the brush and goes, oh, look, there's the down. That must be what she wants. And launched herself. Um, when you've got a 16-2 hand mule with everything off the ground. Oh, yeah. Going down. That's a big that's a big jump for her. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised it wasn't at least six feet, oh, but I sure wasn't right. expecting it. Yep. And I stayed on her and she went, Hoof, and I went, Oomph, and we landed and you all were like, what just happened? Wow. Yep. You looked around and saw me just whoop. First of all, she's alive. Okay, we're good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she survived. Yep, I survived. <laughs> Yep. So that was the big jump for me that really got the adrenaline kick and the the addiction going. Oh yeah, you were hooked. I was hooked, line and sinker. Yeah, and you came to every single rock crown clinic until I started doing. Yeah, I can't do two, six a year. <laughs> yeah, two, two and three, because it went from like I said, 2015, yeah. nobody signed up. Right. To where now, I have I have waiting lists. Mm-hmm. I got you know, my waiting list from last year. <clears throat> I haven't counted this year's. Last year's waiting list was 54 people. Yeah. Just incredible, you know, and um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, you've been hooked. You you're the only one that's been five years in mm-hmm. Rome. You got yeah. your five year buckle. I do, I do. Yeah, there was there should have been a few gals that should have got it this year, but they didn't couldn't make it, you oh, know. But yeah. uh, you got your five year buckle, and my favorite is when you talk about your drive home when when you'd start to 
doze off. Oh, I was the very first time I'm driving home because I thought we were going to spend the night. I wasn't prepared to leave, but you were all leaving. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> ah, will the terror never end? Yep. So you're all packing up. I'm going, well, I guess I'm leaving. And I have to mm-hmm. drive home in the dark because it's eight hours and it's across the pass and the snow because it was March. And so I was driving home and I was so tired. And, and it's, you know, exhausted. I'm emotionally oh, yeah. and physically exhausted from this much riding, from the adrenaline ups and downs. Yep. And I was by myself and, again, didn't know anybody, didn't know nothing. And so I was pretty tired and I'd start to get a little tired and I would just mentally leap off that ledge again. and just, oh, I'm awake. <laughs> I'm so happy. Look what I did. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. And then I hit black ice and I went, oh, I'm really awake now again. Yeah. Yeah. Those clinics have sure changed over the years. They really have. Uh, every year I sit down after and me and Sky talk, okay, what do we need to do better? Be safer, you know, make, you know, you, you mentioned yes meals. And yes that meals. is my key phrase for mm-hmm. that time. You've heard me use it a million times. Yep. Yes meals. And um, I've had to figure out how to make yes humans. Understood. Because without yes humans, it's hard to have a yes meal. That's true. It's impossible really. So... Yeah, they get better and better. They change a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a heck of a ride, hasn't it? It's been an so. absolute heck of a ride, especially now that I've got Ludo, the <laughs> yep. rock-loving mule. Yep, and uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, think another sponsor, and then I want you to talk about Ludo and that rock. Mm-hmm. I need to thank my friend Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA, right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks and uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A. M-I-N, romanhome.com, and uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. Okay, we've just been talking about our rock crawling, Nancy's rock crawling, and um, you talked about goals. Goals. And you saw Sky jump, and there's there's – yeah, we call it Oprah's Rock. Oprah's Rock, yes. Oprah's Rock is the official name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I don't know about official, but it's our name, right? Yep, it is. We and, have names for a lot yep, of rocks. Yep, yeah. You could you could have a rock named after you for a multitude of reasons, right? Mm, yeah, it, sometimes it, you don't want the yeah, rock named after you. Yeah. <laughs> it could be because it was freaking awesome, or mm-hmm. it could be because it didn't go good for you. or you. Right. So, uh, anyways, tell us about achieving your goals. Okay. I had been looking for a rock hopper that, that had what I wanted. And I had seen a video of Ludo. It wasn't Ludo at the time. It wasn't his name. And I went, that's the athlete I want. And he, to my best guess, is an appendix. It's quarter horse thoroughbred. That, that's what I look at him and the way he acts and the way he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, the fancy paint job literally had no bearing on me buying him. Except, well, I guess if he's really bad, I could resell him better because he's got paint. Mm-hmm. But but I like my favorite color animal is black and I don't own a black mule. So I don't buy for color because I've got nine, eight mules now, eight mules. One's Kelly's. It's the ninth. 
I don't buy for color. I just end up with it sometimes. So I got Ludo home and realized very rapidly that Ludo had learned a trick or two in his life. And he was about eight that you would mount and you might or might not get all the way in the saddle and let the bucking commence Mm -hmm. to buffalo you off. And the very first time he did it to me, I was partway on. He went to buck and I literally just reached over, grabbed the edge of the arena because it was winter. I was in the arena, reached, put my feet on the ground. And after that, he wouldn't even let me near the stirrup without bucking. But luckily, I knew this guy named Ty Evans who taught me a lot of really cool stuff. And I'm not joking because we didn't talk about the fact that when I was at the very first clinic with Roach, I was watching you guys and I didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So me being me, I asked questions. Absolutely. And I'd always had horses with good ground manners, very well behaved. But I didn't do what you did, and I didn't know why you were doing what you were doing, and I didn't know how it applied to the mule. That was the Gunnison Clinic that came later. Mm-hmm. But we digressed. We can get to that or not later. So I had a lot of help getting I, – I literally had to have someone hold Ludo long enough for me to get on and grab leather. <laughs> And ride it out. And we did this for about a month. And it was no fun. And I hated it. I'm like, I'm in my early 50s. What am I doing? This is stupid. All right, hang on. Bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved the way I fit on him. I loved what he could do once I got through that. Because once we got through that, he's a very good ride overall. He has his moments. He doesn't, doesn't like being touched, etc., etc. But can't count that. But once I got him through that, I had a goal to get him ready for the spring clinic. I bought him at the end of November and I wanted him ready for the spring clinic. We were out riding through snowbanks, leaping through snowbanks to get this mule ready because I had this really awful mule who would bolt out of my hands, who would buck, but I knew he could do it. I knew he was going to have the stuff. So I put all my tie knowledge to work and it was a huge help. And got him to the rock hopping clinic where he promptly bolted on me getting out of the trailer. <laughs> yep. Yep. You get there. There goes Ludo. Oh, getting like, him well, out of the two horse. We got about 120 acres here before he gets to fences. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first clinic, the, the hanging on wasn't my strong point because mm-hmm. he still had his tricks and we were still, he's strong and he's fast. He's and big he was practicing. He's you know, big. We're talking about Roach being big, but Ludo is a big meal. He's 16 hands. Yeah. That's a big meal. He's He's a well-built 16 hands. So, but at the actual rock hopping, he took to it. He all that drags me mm-hmm. to the rocks. He is not just yes, but heck yes. Yeah. He, the he, harder he it gets, got. Yeah. He gets, he gets engaged in it. He, he really, he, he sees it. He sees and it. Not every mule sees it. No. You know, not every, you know, just like, I mean, some can show, some can rain, some can work cattle. Some can get along on the rocks, yeah. and he ha- he can. He has the physical ability and the mental and the mental desire. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the harder it is, the happier he is. He's looking for it, and yep. the two of us together. I got so bold. But what we do a lot of times is we'll start out in the wash, mm-hmm. where it's sandy, and learn to hop off and on rocks. And what Ty will tell you is, you do this so you get a yes mule. Because a lot of them, even though they'll follow along on the trail, even if it's hopping the same thing, you need that control. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what we're learning. And it is a learning clinic. It's not just a let's go out and, you know, make crazy videos. It's a learning clinic. It really is. And the control is what allows you to do this. 
And so when, again, knowing his bucking history and not having a clue what he was going to do on anything larger, Mm -hmm. I, the first day Ty says, do as much as you can because you'll go so much further and do so much better. Yep. So I put it out there and I'm jumping off stuff because as I put it, if this guy goes to bucking on me and I'm in an awkward compromised position, I want to land in the sand, not on a cliff, not on sheer rock that we're riding up and down. I need to know today, is this mule going to do this or is it dirty? <laughs> and I want to know it in the sand. Yep. And you did everything. <laughs> and I asked. did everything everything and i really was grinning ear to ear and what was it the second no third day because yeah the third day we went back to a different spot in the wash different cane wash Mm -hmm. and my favorite place on earth by the way and i saw that rock and i went i am doing it there it is and so i went off it on riyadh i believe yep i did and I just followed and I, he, I, we joke about it. He says, well, what do you think? I, I just close my eyes. I tell him, I, I, <laughs> I just close my eyes and go, I, I don't really, but it sounds good. Yeah. Uh, but I just went for it. And this mule is, he drops down more than drops out. And, and so yeah, I've got, hard. again, a 16 one hand mule with about a foot in front of his front feet of airspace mm-hmm. and airspace behind. That's how big that jump is. Yeah. It's and you, you feel it when you land, but it was worth it. And I did it. Yeah. You got an awesome picture. I do. And I yep. need to, I need to get a picture to post like on Facebook with this podcast. Okay. That's cool. It's yep. just, yeah, it's, it's right there in our kitchen or in our dining room. Yep. Whatever you call it. It's so cool. Yep. So you achieved your goal. I did. Heck yeah. Well, let's, uh, at the end of all my podcasts, with a, with guests, I asked for advice. Um, what advice would you give to somebody in this whole mealmanship journey? Uh, it could be whatever whatever comes to your mind. Um, working with meals, staying encouraged to keep going. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's that's getting into this mealmanship journey? I think the main thing is the whole point of this is to enjoy it. Yeah. That's the whole point of this for you and the mule and learning, doing the groundwork is a way to learn to communicate with them, to learn what kind of mule they are. Do you need, cause I've got mules I barely touch, I think, and they move and I have others you got to almost shove And so you need to learn how much energy are, are they anxious? Are they so relaxed? You can't get them to do anything. And what makes, that animal comfortable with you and what makes you comfortable with it? What do you want to achieve with it? Because I see a lot of people with the wrong mule and I see the same thing with horses. If you have an animal and you are miserable and the animal is doing things you don't want it to do, you need to stop and consider that maybe that mule isn't happy with you either. You don't have to be a martyr and keep that animal. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would rather have a different owner. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, people don't think of it this way. Yep. It's not a yep. wrong thing to sell a mule. Mm-hmm. It may not like you either. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe it wants to go yep. be Ludo jumping off cliffs instead of someone trying to make Ludo be a kid's mule. Mm-hmm. Ludo would be miserable. 
having someone that wanted to love on him. Well, I'd like to, but that's not my goal. Mm -hmm. Ultimate goal with him. The ultimate goal is to go do what we do and have a working partnership yep. because that's what I'm going to get out of him. Mm -hmm. And I can either accept that he's not going to love me and, and go have fun crawling off rocks or I can be miserable and we'll get nowhere. So honestly, do it for fun. If you're not having fun, change something because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get miserable. You're going to get burned out. Do it because it's fun. Set fun goals. Enjoy it. Do it for fun. Do it for the fun because that's, that's why awesome. we do it. That's right. That's, that's Sometimes what it's we all forget about. that. We get and fun can things. be work. Yeah. That's okay. But mm -hmm. if you're not having fun, figure something else out. Heck yeah. Well, Nancy, this has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do these podcasts, these interviews, because they're fun. I get a, you know, amazing, I got amazing friends like you, and we get to jump on here and chat. And and uh, I took a few notes here where we've been hanging okay. out. You know me, I'm always trying to learn something. I know that. So anyways, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being on here. Thank it's you been for a good time. listening to me babble at you hey, for I an love hour it. or whatever. I love it. I love it. So. <laughs> Hey, and to everybody listening, God bless you guys, and we will see you down the road.